when you have a conversation with someone and you're thinking about giving someone some feedback, develop the habit of giving excellent feedback. Because if you do that, your standard of excellence will just increase over time. But if you develop a habit of mediocrity, you're not going to develop. And you might not be excellent the next time you do it. Okay, but over time you'll become excellent and your standard will be so much higher than it was before. Hi there, I'm Ben Morton and you're listening to the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It is the weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with senior leaders and genuine subject matter experts. And all of this is designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be. It's my gift to you and it's absolutely free. This week, I'm introducing you to Tom Ferry, who is the founder and head coach at Stakester. Operating in the video game space, Tom took an idea from a scribble on a napkin to a business being worth over £50 million in just over two years. And now they are one of the biggest in the world at what they do. Amazingly, to help fund the growth of the business, he raised $1.3 million in investment from a single LinkedIn post. Alongside this, Tom hosts the Back Yourself Show, a show with over 1 million listeners on which he speaks to investors, founders and experts in the startup field. In this short, super high energy episode, Tom talks to us about his leadership style and how it's evolved through working in a number of very different environments. He chats to us about his three key leadership habits and how to build real self-awareness. Alongside all of this, Tom also has a fantastic new book out, How Not to Fuck Up Your Startup. And we have got two copies to give away to listeners for free via the link in the show notes. So do take advantage of that, folks. But that's enough of an introduction. And brace yourself, folks, for this super high-energy conversation with Tom Ferry. Tom, very warm welcome to the show. Been looking forward to this episode. Before we start, how are you, my friend? Yes, you know, I'm all right, actually. Today, I was, um, I was down in the gym today, and um, I'm, I'm really into my martial arts. And I got a, uh, I got a holler from um, a guy there today. He's like, hey, Tom, we're, we're tuning up for a, for a fight. Do you want to come and do a couple of rounds with us? And I was like, fuck yeah. You know, I haven't fought for properly for like 10 years. And um, he's like, and I was like, still got it though, bro. Still got it. And I get in there and I start off the first sort of like, first sort of two minutes. I'm like, I do still have it. Fucking hell. My hands are tasty. My feet are fast. I feel good. And then the just about to hit 40 fitness kicked in. <laughs> and I was like, I don't still have it. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, my timing it's just the thing about it is like you I can run the same distance faster than when I was 21 okay last year I hit a 15k hour which I'm really proud of yeah doing 15k in an hour and um I couldn't have done that when I was 21 but the problem is you're th- there's a beat between your like in terms of like reaction time that's just gone yeah yeah, yeah. and so like you're you, it's 
it's a horrible feeling. And recovery times are slower and coming back from injury takes longer. It's, that's basically it. That's basically what it is. It just takes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I have recently been getting into uh, cryo chambers. This isn't what this show's about. I know this is about leadership, but like it's important to look after yourself as a leader. So we're segwayed in there. I've recently started getting into these cryo chambers where you get down to your, your knickers and it's minus 28, no, something like 28 degrees in there. It's, yeah, that comes under the effing cold category. And you pop in for five minutes and dude, like it's not pseudoscience, it's real. I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some convincing. I'm pretty much up for trying anything if it's going to give me a performance edge, a health edge, but anything that's getting cold and wet, not for me. I, I like being warm. I like my hot showers too much. I am not a Wim Hof man. No way. Dude, I am Wim Hof through and through. I'm on like day 600, I think, or something like that. Like, I'm so into it. Yeah. But yeah, I would. Uh, but I, I highly recommend giving it. Anyone who's listening, get yourself down there. Get yourself cold. Don't listen to Ben. He's weak. Come on, just go and get <laughs> yourself cold. Anyway. So yeah, sorry. So, yeah, so anyway, longer answer. I'm good. I'm good. Brilliant. And on that note, before you insult me anymore, let's dive in and talk about leadership. Tom, tell us about your your first leadership role and then let that lead into how's your your leadership approach and style kind of evolved over the years? Well, I've been I've been really blessed, actually, because I've had a hugely diverse experience of leadership. And I think the more diverse the scenarios you put yourself in, the better you become. Okay, ultimately, as a leader. Um, My first real leadership role that I talk about was before I jumped into the boring world of corporates, I I wanted to be a comedy actor, singer, all of the above. I just incredibly vain and wanted that. And I was uh, a director of a show um, and leading a show that went to Edinburgh. And um, it was a really weird experience for me because you're... I had some leadership experience before with other jobs, but like not really in the same way where you had actual leadership. Not a case with where, and people talk about leadership a lot, and people talk about, and a lot of time, if you're a manager and a leader are very different things. A leader has to make a decision. A manager has to execute it to other people, right? It's very different. And so as a leader for the first time, I was surrounded by a group of people who every single one of them had the same objective. Okay, which you think, oh, that's amazing. We want to put an amazing show. No, every single one of them wanted them to be amazing in the show. They wanted to be front of, they wanted to be center stage. They wanted, they were there to get an agent. They were there to stand out and get noticed. And that doesn't work. Not really a team. It's not really a team. And yet, bizarrely, I think that stage performers and theatres are some of the most high performing environments you can possibly imagine. It's super stressful. There's no room for error. Yeah, and if there is an error, you have to adapt in an instant or the whole thing falls apart. When you go to a show and someone messes up their lines, you remember them messing up their lines. You don't remember the rest of the show. You know, like, and it's a really high performance environment. If you mess up during a rugby match in a World Cup, okay, you might lose a line out. Yeah, okay, that's might what happen. You might lose three points, but you can make it back. It's really hard to do that in a stage production. So they're super high performing, yet all of them are kind of just trying to make themselves stand out. Yeah, yeah. And that was a really, really difficult environment for me because, you know, you can't be a people pleaser. That was kind of the thing that worked, I realized. You can't make everyone happy. It just doesn't work. And so your focus has to always be on a goal that they're not all working towards. But if they do work towards it, they ultimately will get what they're working towards, if that makes sense. And 
weirdly that led into a lesson that I really took forward into my next role. My first job in the city was basically working in a boiler room. You know, you imagine that moment where everyone's on the phones, bye, 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 sell, 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 standing up, you know, no chairs on a Thursday, coffee's only for closers. Like that was genuinely the environment that I worked in. Yeah, yeah. I always describe sales as sports in an office, okay? And the person who works the hardest and is the most competitive is going to win, all right? And I was obsessed with winning. And so I got promoted really quickly. So you've got this guy, he's like 24, absolute loser, like, you know, socially, but um, got ahead. And so I got made a manager and I ran what was called, I was called running a desk. And all of a sudden, I, instead of having people who were all just trying to stand out and, you know, look amazing, I had a group of people who all they really cared about was their number. They cared about the numbers, about getting the right account. And they had this absolute, this bizarre guy, 24, 10 years younger than some of them. I was 15 years younger than one of them, telling them what to do and saying, look, you're already winning. I want to try and make you win more. They're like, you can't do that. And so it became a really bizarre environment. But the lesson that I took from my first role to that one was, if everyone is working together towards the same goal, you will get that those individual successes will come anyway. Okay. And so it's that message around, it's just a classic. It's like, as long as you're super clear around what everyone is there to do and what you're all trying to work towards, and that doesn't deviate, you don't mix it up, you don't mix your words, you make it very clear so everyone understands it and everyone can repeat it back to you, you're onto a good path. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's what I think a leader is. Going into my role now as a leader of a startup, my second time as a leader of a startup, it's the one message that I keep saying to myself and the one thing that I keep saying to, to, to everyone is that as the leader at the top of the, your role there is protection, first and foremost. You've got to make sure there's money in the account so everyone still can pay their bills and still be alive. But after that, your role is to make sure that everyone in that business has absolute clarity around what they're there to achieve. I don't mean what they're there to do every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not there to say how they do it. I'm there to say, look, this is why you're here. This is the greater goal that we are all working towards. And if something you're doing isn't working towards that, you're wrong. And that's what a leader is. You are leading the way towards that destination. And I think arguably, especially in a startup, right, that is what you've described there, that final one. That is the job that only the leader or founder can do, right? You, you can't delegate that to anyone else. That's got to come from you. And you've got to bang on about it. You've got to bang on about it all the time. You've got to be a broken record. In my office, it's, we're going to be the biggest skill-based competition platform on the planet. Right? No one knows what that means unless you're in my space. But like, that's what we are going to be. And you've got to keep saying it all the time. Is this going to help us to be the biggest skill-based competition platform on the planet? Is it? Nope. Do something else. Yeah. Like, that's it. And then you have, you have layers below that. So, like, for example, our priority at the moment is breaking even. Okay? So it's like, how is this working to us towards breaking even? How is this going to help us do this? And you have other layers, but that's that core layer. And if you want, and if everyone in your business can't repeat that back to you, you've done a bad job. Don't care who you are, you've got to take it on yourself. You've got to take it on the chin and say, I'm doing a bad job. Yeah. I tell you, Tom, something that occurs to me listening to you talk about your first two jobs there, the one in the theatre and the one in the, in the boiler room. Yeah. In, in many ways, it seems those first two jobs in both of them, we could argue you weren't really leading a team. There's a piece of research that de defines teams 
And two of the definitions they use is, does the group have a shared goal? Teams have a shared goal, like work groups or something else doesn't. Are people working interdependently? So my ability to deliver what I need to do is dependent on you doing your bit. Or are you working independently? Whereas you and I, we might have the same manager, but we can just crack on. I don't need you to, to hit my number. And I often say sales teams, a lot of the time, often aren't really teams because everyone's got their own number to hit. I don't care about I don't care about you as long as I get my bonus. I couldn't give a, 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 a rat's chuff about, about you. And both of those arguably aren't, aren't teams, right? No, no. And I agree with you. It's so interesting. And I agree with that research, actually. And I've never heard it articulated that way before. But the term sales team, it's just like, that's why I prefer the term sales desk. Yeah. Okay. It's not a sales team. Like, I, my success as a salesperson, I, and I was a salesperson for a long time, had nothing to do with those other chumps yeah. on my desk. I don't care. I don't care if you're not doing your job. I don't care, mate. I'm still getting paid. Here's my commission plan. Now, and so, and when you try to create a sales team, a team where you're working on deals together, you've got the wrong characters to do that. Yeah. Like, Team players don't phone up and be like, I want to work in sales. <laughs> For sure. It's not what they do. I guess that's a, a nice semi-segue, Tom, into the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is self-awareness. Like what part has self-awareness played for, for you throughout your, your career journey? And I know you've got some thoughts around how you actually go about building and developing it. A lot of us think we're self-aware, but, but are we really? Yeah, so the first thing to say to people is that um, self-awareness is a continuum, not a spectrum, okay? So it's not, I've hit self-awareness, I don't have self-awareness. It's not how it works. It's a continual journey because you change as a person. Yeah. And you have to be self-aware to realise that. So, yeah, when I was 16, all I cared about was girls and becoming a professional rugby player. I didn't achieve either. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 those are my only things I really cared about, right? And anything else that people tried to say to me, ultimately, like, I couldn't care what you were saying. Now that's not really matters. What matters to me now is that I try to be a, a, a good dad and provide for my kids. That's kind of like the motivator. That's really what matters. And then you have to have that self-awareness to realize, I'm actually rubbish at this. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to be like, oh, I'm an amazing dad. No, I'm not. I'm average. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like, you have to have that self-awareness. But anyway, so I think like, you have to go through that constant journey of asking yourself, like, how do I actually feel about this? Not how do I think I should feel? How do I actually feel? How well have I actually performed this environment? How hard am I actually working? How much time am I actually spending with you in the business? Because it's very easy to give yourself A, either too hard a time or B, too easy a time. And that's the hard thing, and I think. And I think that's where it comes from because if you aren't being honest with yourself, you'll either burn out or you won't achieve the goals that you should do. So I always use the analogy of people are like going to the gym, okay? You see some people, they say, yeah, God, I go to the gym all the time. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you hear my knowing laugh yeah exactly yeah how hard are you actually working in the gym now by the way just for anyone listening like being ripped doesn't mean you're not working hard it doesn't mean you're working hard in the gym it means you diet well okay and you're doing beach weights like the only way that you only you know how hard you're working in the gym yeah genetics and diet are showing how good you look 
okay? But only you know how hard you're working in the gym, okay? Only you know that, okay? And so there's no point just showing up. And if you're not honest with yourself about how hard you're working, then you're never going to get anywhere. And it's the same in the office. Like you look at your career and you ask yourself and you say like, like, oh God, I'm not, I'm not progressing. It's my boss's fault. It's my, it's, yeah, it's a market. You've got to have the self-awareness to genuinely say to yourself and be honest with yourself. Actually, am I the problem? Am I doing as much as I can? And I don't, I think without having that self-awareness in you and constantly having it, and by the way, I'm not good at it. I know that I'm okay at it, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be because if I don't, if I fight, because without it, you can't be a good leader, I don't think. Because then it comes to that second part, which is the most important part of self-awareness, and there was an end to this, this long monologue. The most important part of self-awareness, apart from personal improvement, is about the impact you have on other people. Yeah. If you are not aware of how your actions affect other people, you're going to cause problems all the time. Yeah. And I had a problem when I was, anyone who's listening to this who knows me, like I have a very, very bad claim to fame. And that is that I got 13 HR complaints in one year. Okay. Was this in the boiler room? No, this is a large listed business and it's a miracle I didn't get fired. But the reason that happened was because I wasn't self-aware enough to know when jokes I made, although not, you know, like uh, racist or just sexually offensive, like in your classic, you're out gross misconduct. There were enough that people didn't enjoy them. It's just teasing. It's teasing. Do you know what I mean? It's like I called it teasing, but to them it's bullying. And I wasn't self-aware enough to know the damage I was causing. And that held me back in my career. Although having like top numbers and being a top performer, it's like I'm not becoming a leader. And it's like, why? Because you're offending people constantly, Tom. <laughs> like you've got to be, that's, that's what self-awareness is. Yeah. And you won't progress as a leader until you get that. And then you become a leader. And then when you're in that role as a leader, you have to be self-aware enough to know that just because things that, motivate you aren't going to motivate other people people think that's empathy but it starts with you you've got to realize the impact of your behavior on other people and so that's why self-awareness is so important to me and i think a lot of people instantly say i'm very self-aware and by saying that you know that you're not do you think honesty is a prerequisite for self-awareness or is honesty part of being self-aware that's a really good question thank you so Honestly, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people say never trust anyone who says things like the whole truth. <laughs> it's like there's no spectrum of truth. It's the truth or it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of digital. Okay. Exactly, yeah. But when it comes to honesty, there is a spectrum of appropriateness when you are honest with someone. Okay? Yeah. If someone says to you, do I look good in this dress? And you don't think they do, don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a classic example. Like, for example, some comes to you and say, I've written this report. What are your thoughts? And when your thoughts are, this is horrific. I can't believe I've employed you. Get out. That level of honesty isn't okay. Okay. And so what you've got to do there is have that honesty with yourself to say, be honest with yourself, Tom. Would you want that feedback? Would that actually be how you would want to accept it? Be honest. Because I'm always, because everyone's always like, oh yeah, I love feedback. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love you to be brutal with me. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. And so I think, I think honesty is, is, 
I think it is a prerequisite. I think it's a prerequisite to to self-awareness. You have to be honest and you have to be honest with yourself about how you feel about things because otherwise you can't do yeah. it. And if you're not honest with yourself about how about how you would feel about something, you can't be honest with someone else in a way that is going to be beneficial to them. Yeah, it seems to me you almost need brutal yet compassionate honesty with, with yourself, right? You do. And, you know, and, and it's, it is hard to be honest with yourself. It's hard to do it. To say to yourself genuinely, like, am I cut out for this? Yeah. Yeah. Am I actually doing well when I don't even know it? Yeah. It's hard. Talked around leadership for a fair bit. I know you often uh, talk about or hold hold dear to you three key sort of leadership traits or, or habits. Tell us about those, Tom. I believe there's only three habits that you can. And also, this is a big thing for me is that I don't be- I don't like goals. Okay, I find goals limiting, and that is. Because you should always be very goal orientated. I don't like it. And let me give you an example of that. The classic example is going to the gym. Okay. Ben, for people who aren't listening, you look like an absolute athlete, you know, probably deadlift, 200 kilos, easy. Um, the um, touch, touch more. Touch more. So, yeah. So, someone comes into you and they say to you, okay, right. You say to me, right, Tom, I'm going to the gym this year. Let's go, let's go and work out together. My target is I'm going to deadlift two times my body weight. That's my target. Okay. It's a very reasonable amount good on you instantly you've given yourself a limitation okay people there are saying oh it's amazing well done mate what great you set yourself a target or you say like i'm going to run six marathons this year okay again great target but you've given yourself a limitation by doing that because you might be capable then of doing 180 or something okay and yeah people might say oh well once you've hit that target hit another one have it's just a continuum of either disappointment because you haven't hit it, okay, or underachievement if you do hit it, <laughs> okay? So I don't think there's a positive in that goal-setting scenario. I believe that instead you should generate habits, okay? And so, for example, the habit in that environment would be I'm going to get into the habit of every time I go to the gym trying to lift a little bit more. Uh, nice. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's a kilo. doesn't matter if it's 10 kilos. Every time I get on that deadlift, I'm going to try and lift a little bit more. Okay. And that, that's, that's a pro- the habit of progression. And as I pontificated on this for a while, I believe there's actually only really three habits that you should develop. And if you have those three habits, then they transfer into great things everywhere. And the first one is discipline, developing the habit of discipline. Okay. Because Say, for example, you get a morning routine and you're like, okay, I'm going to do 50 push-ups every morning. All right? Great. Good on you. But you've got to have the discipline to do it. Okay? So before you start having the habit of that 50 every morning, get in that habit of developing a discipline whereby you stick to what you say you're going to do. Mm. Okay? And that can be an ev- – and the thing about having the habit of discipline is like the habit of writing a good email, having the discipline to read through your emails afterwards even when you don't feel like it. It's about developing that habit. And the second one that leads on to is the habit of commitment, okay? Because it's very, it's easy to be disciplined for a week. It's hard to commit to discipline for a long time. And how many times have you done something and you've done a really good job, but you've stopped doing it? If you just think about it right now, the listeners should think about it right now, and they'll be thinking, there's hundreds of things that I started, but I didn't carry on with. So get, develop the habit of being consistent and committing to something. 
okay? And then the rewards are just so great. Even if it's like a small amount, get in, a small amount, just get into the habit of that. And the last one, and the hardest one, I think, is the habit of excellence, okay? Perfectionism for me, I think, is a dangerous word. But the habit of trying to be excellent at something. So when you write an email, have the discipline to read through it and have the habit of trying to make it excellent every time. Yeah, I love that. When you have a conversation with someone and you're thinking about giving someone some feedback, develop the habit of giving excellent feedback. Because if you do that, your standard of excellence will just increase over time. But if you develop a habit of mediocrity, you're not going to develop. And you might not be excellent the next time you do it. Okay, but over time you'll become excellent and your standard will be so much higher than it was before. And so those three habits are really important. I think like, and it's something that I'd say to people all the time, don't set goals, develop habits. Tom, I've got two final questions for you before we, we wrap up this conversation. Number one, I'm, I'm really curious if you can give us an, an example of how your philosophy of not setting goals how you apply that in in your business because businesses are all about goals and smart objectives right just give us a practical example of how that looks day to day in your business really simple actually we have developed the habit okay of growing just the habit of growing every month just our we are in the habit of growing we're in the habit of constantly trying to find new opportunities and new people to work with okay and then we've developed the habit of being better than our competitors all right. It's not it's not a habit. It's not a uh, we want it. The goal is we're going to be the best in the world at what we do. How do you possibly measure that? And it's the same goal that every other business in the world has. Get in the habit of looking at your competitors and doing it better. Yeah. Get in the habit of growing every month. It doesn't matter what you're growing by, but just get in the habit of growing every month. Nice. Get in the habit of hiring the best people. Get in the habit of those people working really hard and be really happy and really contented. Okay, get in the habit of that, and then you'll develop and you'll grow. And look, I mean, look, we're not perfect, but we've grown faster and bigger than all of our competitors with less funding and less time. Yeah, like it's just because, and that wasn't a goal to become bigger than them. Yeah, ultimately that, yeah, we, we have to set ourselves a goal and objective because someone has to have it. I don't like doing it, but some people need that yeah. grand vision. I can't say, I know, yeah, I do realize it's counterintuitive. I can't sit there in a, in, in a board meeting and they say, what's your goal? To habit. <laughs> they won't get it. Yeah, yeah. But this is the habit you like to get into your business. And so people say, like, how much do, we, do you want to grow by this month? I want to grow. More than last month. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I, want nice. to get, I want to get in a habit of growing. Nice. Yep. And the final one, really intrigued by your habit of discipline, which strikes me as the complete opposite to how most people think about those two words. If you talk about those two words, most people would say, well, you need discipline to create a habit, but you're talking about creating the habit of, of discipline. Like, I'm not entirely sure what the question is, but I'm just, just strikes me that you, you're looking at it the opposite way. Yes. When I think about discipline, what discipline to me is, is doing something when you don't want to do it. Yeah. Okay. And so the way you develop the habit of discipline, and people might say they might use the word the habit of resilience or something like that. But the habit of discipline is that when something, when you don't want to do something, you still do it. Okay. Within reason, because some things you can't do. Okay. A classic example, and this is what I, I like to think of like very 
basic behaviors that you can develop every day. If you look at your inbox and there is an email that you do not want to respond to, get in the habit of just responding to the email when you see it. When you wake up in the morning and it's, yeah, and your alarm goes off, I am a nightmare because I get up really early, but it's not my fault. I've got kids, it's their fault, but I am also someone who likes to get up early. Get in the habit of just getting up. Like, I know it sounds all simple, but it's like, you don't want to do it. You don't want to get up. You want to stay in bed. You want to scroll through your phone. Get up and just get up. Yeah. Get in the habit of having your coffee 30 minutes after you get up rather than as soon as you get up. Because you don't, you want it right now. And people are like, well, what, what's the benefit of that? Because what you're doing is you're building discipline. Building discipline. And discipline is about doing something when you don't want to. It's about resisting temptation. It's about when you go out and nothing good ever happened to anyone after midnight. <laughs> okay. It's about building the discipline of saying no to that temptation and to those things that you do and things you don't want to do. And over time, you would achieve things that you didn't think you could achieve. Okay. I get a class example. I've just written a book. Uh, I got released yesterday. Uh, you won't, by the time this comes out, it came out earlier this year. <laughs> and, um, and I just got in the habit. And people are like, God, it must have taken you so long to, write the books and i just got in the habit of writing at least 100 words every day yeah and that's what so many authors talk about right how do they write books it's the habit they get up whether they want to or not they write they write whether it's half a page 100 words they set a minimum of of writing it's the habit it's it's just a habit it's the habit of doing it and it is horrible and there are times when you just don't want to do it and there are times when it is drivel okay but you just got to do it because you don't want to do it and that makes the habit of commitment easier. And it makes the habit of excellence easier because being able to do something where you don't want to is an excellent habit. <laughs> awesome. Tom, thank you so much for your, your time, your energy, your insights today. It's been wicked talking to you, especially as we're recording this late on a Friday. So thanks for giving me a, giving me a shot of your energy, my friend. Uh, wish you all the best for the future, especially with the book. Thanks so much, Ben. And I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to plug it shamelessly here. The name of the book is um, uh, How to Not Fuck Up Your Startup. It's uh, a collection of the ideas of the people who've come on my show, my podcast, Back Self Show. It's from amazing founders and investors. None of it's my wisdom. I've got no idea what I'm talking about. I've just taken other people's wisdom and put it in a book so that if you are an entrepreneur and you are thinking about starting a business, it, will, it is a step-by-step guide of how to not fuck that up. Sounds awesome. Where can we get it? All the usual retailers. It's not self-published. It's real published. That's me absolutely burning the self-publishers there. Just, you know, it's just classic bullying. I have the habit of bullying. And um, <laughs> and so there it is, yeah. But yeah, you can get it anywhere normally. Cool. What we'll do, we'll pop a couple of links in the show notes, folks. So if you want to check out Tom's book, you just scroll down and click on the link. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Ben. This has been great. My pleasure. That's it for this episode. And a huge thank you for listening to the show and tuning in. At this stage, I only ask one thing of you that I promise will take no more than two or three minutes maximum. Wherever you happen to be listening, please click on the subscribe button and then leave a one sentence review. That's it. It makes all the difference and means we can continue to grow our channels and bring you even better guests in the future that you can learn from. 
That's it for this episode, folks. If you want to talk to me about the show, leave me some feedback or recommend a guest you'd like me to try and get hold of, then do please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership. Until then, until next time, look after yourself, look after those you've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And until then, lead on.